you may have you may have noticed that on the back of your order of service this morning there are no notes um, I have full confidence that if you would like to take notes you can take notes um, and and truthfully it was just one less thing that I had to worry about doing um, but if you don't want to take notes and you just want to color on the back that's fine too um, but one of the things that I, I would have placed on the back if I had notes for you would have been a title. Um, I'm not a big sermon title guy, but this would have been my title this week. I know, it's clever. Um, I know. Um, we're going to spend time this morning looking at 1 John chapter 4, and, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 21. And, and as we read through this passage, my goal for us this morning is just twofold. I just really have two things I want you to leave with this morning. And, and the first thing is, I want, to, I want you to um, look at how we know God's love. So how do you know God loves you? And then how others know our love. See, I, I know. Now, it's, it's no secret that I am a, a fan of Star Wars movies. And particularly Han Solo. Um, I remember being drawn to this character um, even as a child because um, he was the good, um, well, he was the bad good guy. I mean, he had this checkered past and this quick wit, and, and when push came to shove, he would always come through and do the right thing, right? Just when you thought he was gone, like taking care of whatever the things he wanted to do or settling his own score, he would swoop in at the right time to help save the day. I mean, there's a, a few of, of Han's lines that, from the different movies that have, that have just kind of seeped into my daily life. And, and one is, never tell me the odds. I have a bad feeling about this. But my favorite comes from a scene in Empire Strikes Back. Now, in this scene, Han Solo is about to be frozen in carbonite. And he's saying goodbye to his trusty friend Chewbacca. And he's saying goodbye to Princess Leia. And as the soundtrack builds in this romantic tone, she looks at her hero and she says, I love you. And he looks back and says, I know. Now this, this line of response was, was not part of the original script. The, the actor and, and director made this change during filming. The script was actually for Han to look back at Leia and answer, I love you too. In an interview many years ago, Harrison Ford, who plays Han Solo, uh, talked about this, about this, this change in reply. He said, what is the last thing a woman wants to hear when she says, I love you? She says, I love you, and and I say, I know. Now, the, the, the goal was to leave the, the character still looking tough and, and strong, even in the face of his impending doom. He could stand there and just say, I know. Now, truthfully, this, this saying, I love you, and having reply of, I know, has, has entered into my marriage and my family. I absolutely enjoy when I look at my wife and I say to her, I love you. And she looks back and says, I know. That means she understands me and she speaks my language. 
But this idea of knowing should not be seen in the light of being tough or showing no emotion and being that kind of person. Instead, I want you to think about I know as confirming, understanding, feeling, and embracing. So when you hear that God loves you, your answer becomes, I know. When your brother or sister in Christ show you love, you know the love that they're showing comes from God Himself. Now I want to read with you um, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7-21. through 21. If you want to follow along in your copy of God's Word, uh, that would be wonderful. But this is 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born and knows, uh, born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into this world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and that He in us. He has given us the Spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now I do recognize that it has not been that long since Pastor Joel did a sermon series on the letters of John. But I just really thought that the reminders that we see in these verses would just serve us really well to hear this morning. John writes this letter to be a call to examine our lives and to test our, our faith. He actually says later on in this book, in 1 John chapter 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now as we talk about this notion of knowing, I know God's love. 
they know I'm a Christian because of my love. I'm not adding anything to the gospel. I mean, the gospel is a free gift that comes from the belief in Jesus Christ. I am, however, speaking about fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verses 20 through 21. Thus, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. You will see them because of their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's not just about this acknowledgement. It's about knowing. And although we're looking at uh, love this morning, uh, we're looking at this topic of love, and I will say the word love a lot today. John speaks about obedience here too. He speaks about truth here. And he certainly speaks about love. He teaches that we must not just hear God's word, but we must obey it. The love that we show, the love that we show out to other people is a direct relationship to the love that we know of God. He teaches that our our view of of man and, and sin must be what we see in Scripture, not what we're sold from the culture and the world around us. Again, the, the idea of love differs from what we see through the pages of the Word of God and what the world is telling you love looks like. Do not believe this. Do not buy into what you're being sold. Your understanding of salvation, the propitiation of your sins, comes only through the blood of Christ, and that And that must be the love of God. Now there's a difference between being aware of love and knowing love. And it's important for us not just to acknowledge love, but to truly know it. It's one thing to just say, you know what, I've read this, I know it, I can kind of tune in and tune out of it. But it's another thing to know it. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 22, verses 35 through 40, we see this. One of them an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Test Jesus with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. And this is not the first time John even writes about this. We see this in First John, John chapter two. We see this in First John chapter three. We read this again in First John chapter four. Look with me at verse seven. Dear friends, or maybe your translation says beloved, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Your life, my life, should be defined by love. This love that that John is speaking about is complete love. I mean, your translation may actually say perfect love. This is a type of love that originates with God. God creates love. And we should, 
We should be careful not to just gloss over this. We should recognize this this phrase of complete or perfect. Because John speaks about this several times. If you look in verse 12, no one has seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is complete in us. Verse 17, in this love is made complete so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. In verse 18, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Over and over again, John writes about complete, perfect love that is only found through God and through us as a result. So so how do you know what complete love looks like? What does this perfect love that originates with God, what does this look like? Well, we see the answer here in verses 9 and 10. Look, at, look with me at, at 9 through 10. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's perfect love was revealed through the death of Jesus on our behalf. This complete love is sacrificial. This complete love is gracious. This complete love is perfect. Like God, this type of love is slow to anger and it's abounding. The depth of God's love can be seen in the same light, in the same understanding, in the same way that that we as sinful creatures receive our full and free pardon. Now it's important to understand this, especially in the light that we're only looking at a small section of text here. In this small piece of this letter... I don't want us to misinterpret that what John is saying about love. That, that John, is, John is not saying that if you love, you have been born again. It is easy to, to read that and misinterpret that. But if we look at the entire context, we see that John speaks of understanding and knowing the truth of the Bible and submitting as, to Jesus as Lord. Brothers and sisters, um, it is more than just love that makes you saved. It is more than just love that shows you've been born again. But if you've been born again, you will love. A regenerated heart believes and loves. When it comes to speaking about love, and we speak about God, we're fairly quick to say that God is loving. We're fairly quick to read through these verses and say, I, I know. I got it. These are familiar verses to many of us. For, for many of you in this room or watching in, on the live stream, I, I have no doubt you can quote most of this or you have at one point walked through these verses. But... It's one thing to be quick to just say, I I know, or I got it, or I've seen it. It's another thing to recognize that God is loving. 
And when, God, when, when John writes that God is love, it, it's, it's more than just God is loving. John is writing that everything of God is loving. All of it. It's all loving. Everything that comes from God is loving. How do you hear that? I find that very hard to hear. Everything from God is loving. I mean, I, I know. I'm, I mean, I know there's many of you that are sitting here this morning or listening to this that find yourself in the midst of hardship or trials struggles i mean there's death there's tragedies these all exist and i'm going to stand here and tell you that it's all loving that everything of god is loving i am i i understand the pain I understand the heartbreak and the struggle. But it doesn't change that God is all loving, that everything comes from Him is love. We need to remember the fullness of who God is. God is love, but God is also righteous. We typically define love from a different perspective, from a finite perspective, from a human perspective point of view and when we do that love is not complete love is only complete love is only perfect when we look through the lens of God God's love is complete because it involves holiness God is all loving and equally all holy this should change everything for us When we really look at this command to love one another, we must know perfect love, complete love, and see that it's defined and lived out for us in the sacrificial life and death of Jesus. We know this is hard. We know this is difficult. To love one another is not easy, and it, it requires effort. Oftentimes, more effort, let's be honest, than we really want to try to do. We need to have proper motivation and correct motivation, and John helps with us with this as well. He says, love comes from God, and as followers of Christ, we should be striving to be like Him. Our desire is to look more like Christ and to live like Christ. There's your motivation. So John starts out by reminding us that love comes from God. And he continues to tell us through this text that, that love should come naturally for us as followers of Christ because we have received this new nature from God through our rebirth. If you have an understanding of Christ as your Lord, and you find yourself to be saved through that knowledge, then the resulting fact is love. I mean, go back to verse 7 with me. 
We are reminded in this verse that you have been born of God. For some of you, you just need to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to sit in that this week to remind yourself you have been born of God. Oh, but there's more in verse 9. In verse 9, we're reminded that we are to live through Him. So when we abide in Him, and He in turn abides in us, we are empowered and we are enabled to see others through this lens, through the eyes of Christ, and love the way He loves. We see in verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I don't want to oversimplify this. But, but I'll be honest, that's, that's kind of how I roll. But, but since God loved us, broken and sinful, selfish, horrible people that we are, we also ought to lo- love one another. I mean, if God, the Creator, the Almighty, the Holy, the Perfect, the All-Knowing, All-Powerful God loved you, even when you didn't deserve to be loved because of your sin, how can we, in turn, not love anyone else? I mean, at what point do we think we can wield that? You didn't create love. I mean, I know even as I say this, there, there are people to come, come to my mind. There, there are names and images that come to my mind. People I have not loved well. People I've pushed away. People I've ignored. Even I haven't even forgiven. And, and I know they're in my mind as I read through this, as I think about that. But I, does my name run through someone else's mind? Who am I to to decide these people get my love and these people don't get my love when God said, it's for everyone. You, You did nothing for this. You didn't deserve this, yet I gave this to you, yet I sacrificed my son for you, and yet you say, well, these people I'll love. These people I don't want to love. Why are we so quick to put limitations on who deserves our love? Think how bold and brash that is. I mean, the example we're to follow, the example that we're supposed to emulate is complete with no limitations and no exceptions. For God so loved the world. Again, and maybe I'm just oversimplifying. Maybe I just read this text and and I'm missing something. But I think it's pretty clear. The motivation that we have to love is solely based on God's love for us. You, You cannot, you cannot come into a real relationship with God without being transformed into a loving person because we have experienced a grace so powerful 
that it leaves us forever changed. You should look different. You should love different if you are professing Christ as your Lord and Savior. Plain and simple. John is laying this out for us. I mean, this is to test our faith. This is to display our fruit. If your life does not exhibit love, you have to question. You have to ask yourself if you truly know God. Because brothers and sisters, He is love. If your life does not exhibit love, then do you know God? There was a point where our old selves were off and our new selves were put on. This new life in Christ, this very thing that defines us is love. God's love should define us more and more every day, every month, every year. This isn't a, oh, okay, I'm good this way. It should be ongoing. And if I'm honest, I have been a Christian long enough. And when I look back, I'm not sure my love has grown day after day, month after month, year after year. It doesn't sound very complete. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. God lives in us. This again is not something that we should be quick to read through. This should cause us to pause and and even sit in a while. I mean, it's powerful. Just these words, God living in us us I mean I I know what's inside of me besides the guts and the goo like there's like brokenness and wickedness and evil things that I think about yet God chooses to live in us I mean this should shape how we love for sure if, if nothing else has moved you, this should shape you. This should cause you to want to love. But this isn't even all of it. God's love is made complete in us. Your translation may even say perfected in us. God's not satisfied to just tell you he loves you. God's not happy to just show you that he loves you. God chooses to live within you. I mean, this is on a different level. I mean, we know that, that God is invisible. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, that God is invisible. Now, to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, all men. God is invisible. There's no man that can see Him or his, in His essence. Like, like, you cannot see God. So God reveals Himself through the lives of His children. So men cannot see God, but they can see you. 
They can see me. They can see us. They can see how we live. They can see how we love. And if we are abiding in Christ, if we are abiding in Christ, we will know how to love one another. And the love that we show one another will reveal this love of God to our families, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our communities, to our county, to the world. God's love will be experienced in us And then that love will be expressed through us. Our love for others is not just what we are called to do. I mean, it presents the whole gospel. It's the gospel. It's at the very center of salvation that God loves you enough to send His one and only Son to die for you. Look at Verses 13 through 18 with me. (coughs) We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God. That God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. John takes us from a command. John takes us from motivation. And now John is taking us into some assurance. And there's a a variety of of assurances here. And we're going to go through them fairly quickly. But I want you to to see this, that, that in verse 13, you have been given the Spirit. We know that, that we live in Him and He in us. I mean, just, just go up the page a little bit to chapter 3, verse 24. And this is how we know that he loves us. Or, I'll try that again. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Another assurance can be found in verse 14. God loves loves us because he sent his son to be the savior of the world. And another assurance can be found in verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Just look at chapter 4, verse 2 here. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. This is about knowing. This is about knowing the incarnation of Jesus and submitting to him. And we know that if we've done this, we have salvation. Yet another assurance. And then lastly, verses 16 to 17, we can see this that, that we live in love. And if we live in love, and that we live in his love. We read here that his love is made complete among us, perfect among us. And this will bring about confidence. This brings about the I know. We will have the confidence on the day of judgment. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know so that you may know how to act and have eternal life. John doesn't want us to live in fear of condemnation. He wants you to live in this confident assurance of our salvation through Jesus. I mean, this is why we, we get these assurances. This is why John goes from this and, and gives us these. So that we know. So that we know God loves us. So that others know our love. And if it helps you to stand there and feel like you're Han Solo and just say, I know, in the coolest way you possibly can, then do that, but you need to know that God loves you. You need to know when others are showing you their love that it comes from God. These truths should shape our lives. They should change our lives. You should look differently because you know. How should the world see you? Verse 17 In this world, we are like Jesus. Maybe you need to sit in that this week. Brothers and sisters, if we are in Christ, we do not have to fear punishment because of the perfect sacrificial love of Jesus. He took the punishment already. But let's be real, punishment should not be what drives us. Punishment should not be what drives you to love. It, it should not be your motivation to love. Jesus dying on the cross, carrying your sin and displaying this great love for us, that should motivate you. His sacrifice should motivate you. God loving you should motivate you. And our response to this Our response in this should be this love that we have been given and then that we show to others. To look like Jesus in the world. Verses 19 through 21. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love his brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. We need to to understand that our love of God, our love for God and our love for others are, are, are tied together. If, if we do not sacrificially love those around us, how can we say that God's love is within us? Right? You have been shown this sacrificial love. So this is the kind of love that should be showing out from you, that should be expressed out from you. God's love then cannot be in us if we are holding it back. If we love, we will love one another. And if we love one another, then we will grow in our love for God. They're tied together. 
You can't say you have one without the other. I cannot stand here and say that I know that God loves me and I love God and then over here not love my brother or sister. Can't. We do it. But do you see the disconnect? They're tied together. Jesus calls us to to something higher, something greater than the world. In, In Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 to 48, he says this, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if, and if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Are you loving people who just look like you? Are you loving people who you just agree with? I mean, are you, are you loving people that just make your life easier? I do. I mean, I, mean, I, want, I want you to think of names. And I want you to think of groups of people or whoever comes across your mind that you show love to even though they don't love you. Even though they disagree with you. Even though they believe differently than you. Do you have those people in your life? Do you have people in your life that that you love who are opposite of you? Who nobody else wants to love? And and maybe you do this really well. Maybe this isn't a a struggle for you. Maybe I don't have enough time to think through your list. However, if, if this is difficult, If you find yourself just connecting to people like you, people that agree with you, people that make your life just easier, then I would push back that your circle's not big enough. If you need to know some difficult people to love, I can help you find them. We need to recognize that we have been given a great gift. God loves us and gave us His Son, dwells within us, and that we can then show this love to other people around us. Why are we putting limitations on this? In a world of, full of war and racism and gossip and bullying and politics and immigration and poverty and lust and violence and bitterness and negativity... And just awful stuff sometimes. Perhaps we need love power. Love power is a Harrison family original. It's a really simple concept. I am taking credit for inventing it. Partly because I'm up here and I have the mic and the rest of them don't. 
but I was um, sitting in the chair or laying on the couch, and uh, I had one child begin to hug me, and then another child climbed on, and eventually we had a big, massive hug. Love power is a very simple concept. It's a giant hug that involves everyone. And it's such a great thing that I wrote a song about it. Um, I don't know if the tune's original. I know the words are. Um, my, the first service, I did not sing it. I just said it, and my wife told me that I should sing it. I'm still not going to sing it. <laughs> um, it's a simple song, and, and you feel free to make it your own, too. But um, it starts off, it just goes, love power. It keeps you warm. Love power. It keeps you warm. Love power, it keep, it's all it is. It's, it keeps you warm. I know it doesn't make any sense, but, but this um, has become a huge part of my family. I cannot walk up and hug my wife in the kitchen without um, other kids joining in, um, whether it's Bobby or Paige or, or Calvin um, climbing in low or one of the bigger kids, whether it's Grace, Noah, Mike, Jack, or, or whoever coming over top or Molly. Like, like, I can't just hug my wife. Like, I hug my wife and there's all kinds of other stuff coming in. But let me tell you the greatest thing about love power. Love power involves everyone. No one's left out. Whether you're in the middle and you guys can show this one, crushed, or whether you're in the outside holding it all, seeing those around us. How inclusive are we? Crushed in the middle or being on the outside holding it all together? May we, and may those around us know, grateful and thankful for this morning. Father, we're thankful that we can talk about love, And we get to benefit from this. Father, would we not be so to to rush by? Would we the love that you have changed us? Father, even if early age, and we have walked with you for many, many years, would we continue to strive to grow in our love for our neighbors, to reach out to them, just continue to grow selfish desire, but because you have... And you have called us to do this. Two commandments I give to you. Love your neighbor. Oh, Father, we are so thankful for this time. We're so thankful for the brothers and sisters that could come together and worship this morning. Father, I thank you that uh, whether they were here in the first service or whether they're watching online, whether they were here in the second service, or that, oh, just so many people showing affection to one another, even inside these walls. Would we continue to do that as we leave this morning? Would we continue places in the communities, Father? Would the places we find ourselves in look differently because of the love you have given us and the love we know? Father, again, we give you thanks for our time of worship this morning. Most of all, Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, the love that he's shown. giving himself and sacrificing himself on our behalf. We thank you for his life, his death, his glorious resurrection. And Father, we pray all these things in our Lord and Savior's name. Amen.